There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your setting. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Welcome to the Star Power Podcast on the Fangirl Zone, a podcast where we discuss Stargirl on the CW channel. I am Cosmic Staff Dave. And I'm Steve, and today we'll be discussing episode one of season two of Stargirl. All right. So, Steve, what you think? It was a very interesting episode, but we had a, a lot of conflict in this episode. And it was like we opened on a real dark note. <laughs> Jesus, did we and, ever. And then we kind of get back to the fun and family, and yep. then it gets dark again. And you kind of, mm, what, huh? <laughs> I thought of that, too, except from the standpoint of the characters. It's like everyone's got an issue. They seem the need to work out. Right. You know, some more than others. Yes. But the only person that doesn't have an issue to work out is a star girl herself, basically. But except for the fact that she can't let go. I mean, Courtney won't let go right. of having to be nonstop star girl. Yeah. And that's going to be her issue. <laughs> I guess so. That's a lot more resolvable than some of the other issues that our characters are dealing with. Right. And with the way the episode opened, it definitely shows you that Calypso can't really take over you, but he can manipulate you due to issues that you may be having. I guess so. so. Somebody, I heard somebody describe it like he pulls the soul out of you. I don't think he's necessarily a soul sucker. I think, no, but that's what I he does. So. He's the life energy soul guy where he makes, <laughs> you know, I, I would have liked to see the little girl. Well, maybe I wouldn't <laughs> lying yeah. in the neighbor's yard across the street. Right. But that's what they make a doll look like. Then maybe I'll pass on the little girl. Absolutely. <laughs> I like the episode too. I thought it was pretty good. If we were right again, I would give it four out of five fuzzy giraffe sweaters. <laughs> Nice. All right, let's get into episode one, Summer School, chapter one, School's Out. With summer break around the corner, Pat suggests the family take a vacation after seeing that Courtney has been spending too much time focused on being Stargirl and not enough time on her schoolwork. Meanwhile, as Beth attempts to reconnect with Chuck, she stumbles upon a major secret her parents have been keeping from her. Elsewhere, Yolanda continues to be haunted by Brainwave's death, and Rick secretly tracks Solomon Grundy after suspecting he may still be in the area. Andy Armaganian directed the episode, written by Jeff Johns. I always enjoy everything written by Jeff Johns. Yes. <laughs> uh, he's probably the Kevin Feige of... Uh, yeah, <laughs> I wish. Well, in the nineties, he he was Mister Green Lantern. Yes, yeah, he did. He did all those stories back then. So fantastic. So the episode opens decades ago in Melody Hills, Indiana, with a young child, Rebecca, being banned from a party across the street because she made a scene at the store. However, this little child named Bruce convinces her to go anyway, and steal one of the birthday girls' present. <laughs> Is there anything more scary than little kids? No. <laughs> I think that, 
Yeah. So she does exactly what he says, and inside the box is a demonic-looking doll, but then it returns to normal. As Rebecca tries to figure out what happened, Bruce appears behind her, taking on a demonic look of it for himself while holding the diamonds Cindy found at the end of season one. Her fate is unclear, but when her mom goes to investigate, she screams in horror, implying something terrible happened to Rebecca. I couldn't tell the difference between the doll and, and her daughter. daughter. Exactly. And they pull back, and we see the name on the mailbox of wow. Rebecca's house is McNiter. Wow. So original Dr. Midnight and for a time, uh, Starman, too. Yes. Do you suppose he's, his Eclipso was targeting him back then? It's very possible he for, could have. For, for whatever. Yeah. And this is a little twist on the McNiter story because in the comics, he was a bachelor. And he did have a secretary named Myra Mason. Now, their arrangement was peculiar because when they weren't treating patients, McNiter would dictate Dr. Midnight's adventures to Myra and she would sell the scripts to the comic companies. Right, right. <laughs> oh, man, that's pure cornball. <laughs> yeah, powerfully what? strong opening. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yikes, where'd they go from there? <laughs> right. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, Steve, watching this, I, I had forgotten about the time zone difference. Well, I didn't forget about it. Right. But I actually thought uh, they would be broadcasting your time. Oh, eight, yeah. Uh, in, at seven. In, in Texas, we were same time. Yeah. In Missouri, we, the CW station happens to be tied to CBS affiliate here. And so they replay the CBS station's news at seven while the rest of the East Coast and Central Time are watching Stargirl. I have to wait an hour. Damn them. Really? <laughs> uh, what a pain. Okay. Well, it's good to see everybody again. It's good to have Stargirl back. Courtney and her family. I mean, as the episode started, uh, Courtney is a little over the top. You know, I got a kick out of one thing when she's in the alleyway you know, hunting down rogue raccoons. She, <laughs> she goes into this whole flip and roll thing. And I'm like, <laughs> she must love her job because most of that was absolutely useless. Yeah, unnecessary. She, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, not necessary. You, you have the cosmic staff. In fact, when she finally lands on her feet and uh, ready to strike, she's got the cosmic staff behind her. And her elbow in front, I'm like, well, that's not the way I would have it. Right. <laughs> On the way around, don't you want the staff in front of you? Yeah. <laughs> that's me nitpicking. <laughs> but it was great to see Barb and Pat again. They didn't give Barbara a lot to do. No. Yeah. Uh, except being disappointed for Pat and bummed out about the vacation. And just like typical parents, they use the, the other parents' emotions against the kid. Boy, your father really wanted to go to this. Yeah. Mom's so disappointed. And so as a kid, you're supposed to be crushed. <laughs> right. And <laughs> Pat's still a teenager. That, that It doesn't work once they get to teenage years. Yeah. <laughs> Mom's sad? Oh, that's too bad. Pat is in his typical worried mode right away. He's at his best Luke Wilson angsty self. Right. Got plenty to worry about as usual. And when they left it off last year, they're like teamed up and flying together and everything. But we didn't get to see the part where she just couldn't get it out of her head. Right. You know, between seasons. And apparently that's what Pat's been dealing with. And then on top of that, he's got Mike now. We're like, yeah, uh, itch, itching for a fight. Mike's itching for a fight. Yes. He's a funny little guy. <laughs> and then he's got another kid now, Zeke. Yeah. <laughs> God. He has to childproof his, <laughs> his storage room, apparently, because Zeke yes. goes, eventually walks right in there a little early on the Zeke stuff. But, <laughs> wow, you, get, you don't have enough to worry about, Pat, with all that going on? Right. 
I tell you, you know what really got me was Yolanda storyline. Yeah. Yvette Montreal, I think her last name is pronounced. Yep. She's terrific. She, she's she's amazing. obviously, yeah. She's uh, obviously getting a little older, too. I don't know how <laughs> right. longer they can make her look like a, a teenager. <laughs> they might have to give her the Judy Garland approach like they did in The Wizard of Oz. Well, maybe if we nip and tuck this or wrap yeah. that. <laughs> But as her character is concerned, that the part where she goes to the confessional and she's so upset with the, the memory of killing Brainwave and not only that, but having him look like Brainwave Jr. Right. At that time, too. Yeah, it still rips her apart. I thought for a moment at the end they, of last year they might resolve that a little bit, but nope, it's still killer. And as she admits to, she can still hear the sound of the Brainwave Mave when she killed him. Right. Do you suppose, uh, I mean, aside from emotionally, do you suppose he did something to her? Or maybe he didn't mean it, but it still had some type of effect on her? Comic book effect? It's very possible. It's yeah, absolutely wonder. very possible that he could have suggested to her that she not ever forget this. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if we'll see that. That'd be pretty interesting and pretty sad. Yes, absolutely it is. Yeah. She's also the one that spotted, what, Cameron? Right. Across the street, too. Yep. And you know, Courtney tries to support Yolanda as they're walking to school because she tells her, you saved us all. Yeah. This was the only thing you could have done. Yeah, I wasn't there, but you saved us all. Right. And she rightly threw in your best friend. Yep. So Still. I'm not sure that's going to be enough. <laughs> yeah. It'll be interesting to see what approach they'll take, whether it's purely emotional or a brainwave actually did introduce something. Right. Yeah, that would be very interesting to see how Yolanda handles having the possibility of maybe something brainwave put in her head and then Eclipso putting something in her head. Oh, man, poor girl. <laughs> and speaking of poor girls. Oh, boy. <laughs> that opening scene while they're doing their rounds, we see the goggles are working, but it's not Chuck. Yeah, not Chuck. That's not good. No. And later on, we see Beth trying to reactivate him. Nothing. It does. It just shuts down. And then yeah. we find out that her parents have been keeping a secret from her as they are now filing for divorce. So in just a, a matter of minutes, she's rejected by Chuck. I don't know you. And she's basically find out that her parents don't love her enough to stay together. Right. <laughs> If that could be said. Yeah. They, uh, they from her seem... point of view, that's what it is. I don't blame yeah. her a bit. Yeah. That's a lot to put on a kid. A lot. Yes. And yes. they always seem strange around her anyway. I know they love her cooking, but they don't have that affection, even when they're on the phone. Right. Uh, Absolutely. The mother calls. Yeah, I didn't make dinner. Yeah, talk to you later. Bye. Like, wow. Yeah. What is, what, what do you, is there something behind that, do you think? I mean, are they just bad people or indifferent people or is there something at work? We haven't seen. I, I have a feeling there isn't something at work. I think they just stink together, right? <laughs> you know, and they don't have a love enough love for their kid, which is even more tragic. Yes, it is, especially as special as Beth is. Yeah, yeah. I kind of think that there might be something behind this because that show's all about well, legacy, right? Yes, it is. So yeah, it's tough to see Beth go through this. That's for sure. Because you know, right now her only family is the JSA. She's got to deal with. Courtney, <laughs> yeah, obsessing about stuff, anything, raccoons yeah. and all. Love the line where <laughs> after they find out that it was the raccoon and the other three are like, 
Courtney says, one more time around town. No, no, no. it's time to go home. <laughs> time to give it up. Mm-hmm. And Courtney says, well, we'll cut down our nights of uh, patrols, yeah. patrols from seven to six. <laughs> oh, all three of their faces were just priceless when she said that. It's like, give me a break. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting dynamic. I mean, first of all, it's the... In this case, the girl who cried wolf. Right. Uh, something will happen, of course, and wouldn't, and uh, the response won't be the same. Right. That she had hoped for, and then how is she going to handle that? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, because one of Courtney's big arguments was, "Well, the staff is still glowing. Something's going on. We just got to figure it out and find out what it is." Did that mean much to you? Because remember, when the staff wasn't glowing, it was basically mad at her. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he thinks it's the staff's fault that she's obsessing. Or she's just being a child, you know, or a teenager and blaming it on the staff. Of course, the staff's going to glow. Yes, I think a lot of it is her blaming it on the staff. But Okay, yeah, me too. She heard the noise and the staff started glowing. So she mm-hmm. grabbed it and went down to check it out. So Yeah, now, finally, I was right all along. Yeah. That <laughs> turns out to be another good guy. Yes. <laughs> Before we get there, what's going on with Rick? Well, Rick has done grown up. Along with that, he's got his guilt to deal with and apparently a soft side. When I first saw Rick, let me look up his name for a second, Cameron Gilman. I'm like, right. oh, damn, he's he's grown up. Yeah. Not as much as, what's his name? It's the old boyfriend, Coleman. Right. Yeah. He really grew up. I'm like, oh, what kind of heart? You sure you want to stay in this show, you heartthrob you? Yeah. <laughs> Rick looks leaner to me. Right. A little taller and leaner. His face is a little leaner. So he could have the same problem as Yolanda. I don't know how long they can keep him as teenagers. Right. But I do love that storyline that he's going to apparently be taking care of Grundy. I mean, at the end, Grundy was a pretty pathetic and pitiable creature when he was being beat up at the end. And even Rick realized this is basically some childlike creature that's not good looking, has a rough go at life and can't win. And here right. I am beating the crap That's out of him. Right. Yeah. Ugh. I'm really interested to see where Rick and Yolanda and Beth go. <laughs> they have a lot to work with. Yep. Yeah. And that's why I made a note that they're all carrying some type of guilt or angst. Of the three, yeah. I think Rick's still in the best place because he's doing something to try to help what he thinks is Grundy because he yeah. hears, listens to the radio and hears about the two right. attacks. <laughs> Yeah, pair that with a few knockdown trees in the woods and then ah, empty beers. And I looked, I'm watching the empty beer thing, like, who's buying beer for Grundy? He doesn't go to the store himself. Is it like, I'm thinking, no, that rich. was, those were the syrup bottles. From oh, those are the syrup bottles? I thought he was place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, is he drinking beer? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's, I'm really looking forward to, uh, and seeing how Rick takes to that. Beth has all her breakup and Yolanda's like, it's just so sad. And now Rick is like, he's he's kind of like Pat's character. Right. Yeah. Like, that's a lot to put on his shoulders, too. Yep, because I think he's going to be the glue that somehow keeps the group together by the end of this season. I really do. Yeah. You know, he has the signs of more signs of maturity than uh, Courtney does. Yes. And she's, the, and she's the leader. Yeah. And we know he's a couple years older. And yeah. Getting accused <laughs> of cheating on a test. Oh, that was so rotten. That was so yes, rotten. it was. First ago, he he corrects her. This is the name I I go by. This name now, right? And she, you know, I don't care. Right. I know who you were, and I'm still gonna fail you because that's who you were. But yeah. wow, I'm glad I didn't have a teacher like that. Yes. <laughs> so we go back to where we see 
Courtney going through the files again up in her bedroom, hears a noise, grabs a staff and goes downstairs to discover somebody <laughs> has the Green Lantern. Yay! And boy, what an awesome fight scene. We get Very acrobatic. Yes. Very acrobatic. Yeah, wow. that one twist move that she does up in the air. Wow. I know. I like when the cosmic staff is stationary sometimes, too, and she just swings on it. Right. That's so cool. It's hard to imagine I could lay down odds. Who would win that battle? Someone wielding that shaft or someone wielding a power ring. But right. since they both have limited experience with each, so not too surprised. It's uh, they, It was a, a draw, pretty yeah. much, although I was a little surprised. Courtney torched her kitchen the way she did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the kitchen was the loser in this fight, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so not they only must've... are they not going on vacation, they got to redo the <laughs> kitchen. Yeah. Oh. I know. Yeah, that, I, they must have cut out the scene where Barbara reacts to that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So Jade's pretty mysterious. real upset. Yeah. Oh, my kitchen. What do you think of Jade's powers and the effects behind the ring? I loved them. I thought they were great. I'm looking forward to seeing her character join them and see her learning how to wield that ring and the, the lantern as well. Yeah. Because she does I hope we... announce that, yeah, she is the Green Lantern's daughter. So I kind of I wonder, wonder if they'll if, uh, answer any questions of what happened that last, what happened to original Alan, Alan Scott. Scott. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, man. He's got to be out there somewhere. I mean, if, who knows? They already talked about other dimensions. That was that quick. Right. Flash sending someone to another dimension. One right. of the bad guys. And I love the look on Courtney's face, too. Like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Multiverse. Yeah. So maybe some of those guys will be able to come back. Yes, I think so. I think that's how we're going to get Garrick and whoever else we get in this episode. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We still have to touch on Dr. Fate, too. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, he's speaking of multidimensional and super powered. I don't see him losing a battle at all, unless it's his fault. Yes. It just bothers me as a longtime reader of all those adventures. Like, really? They lost to those guys? Yeah. <laughs> and of course, we see Pat asking a junkyard owner named Zeke to watch his garage while he's gone. And of course, Zeke's curious about that employee's only room. And he tells Zeke it's just for story. Right. Really nothing there. in there. Yeah. And the way <laughs> he said it, you knew Zeke was going to go check it out. And of Ever course, heard of yeah. padlock there? Yeah. Pat. <laughs> yeah. After finding out the court has to start summer school, Pat returns only to find Zeke up on a ladder, tightening bolts on Stripe, wanting to add a flamethrower and calling Pat partner. <laughs> oh, no. I know, partner. Gotta sometimes a man's just gonna build a robot. Yeah, <laughs> and he starts talking flamethrower. So yeah. we won't have the what was the name of the night? Not the Golden Knight. Was it the Golden Knight? Yes. Yeah. Sadly, it, well, he's, it doesn't seem like he'll be back this year. He maybe will, but uh, we'll have Zeke instead. <laughs> Ro robot fixer. Yeah, I have a feeling this is going to be another person that Eclipso can manipulate to cause more havoc for the JSA. Yeah. And and the robot itself apparently like you can like damage it and right sabotage it and program it or something yeah absolutely yeah. <laughs> wasn't that flame forward supposed to shoot shoot outwardly not inwardly right <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, and towards the end of the episode, who do we see, Dave? Good old Cindy. <laughs> still has access to the, the high school, still has access to files, still has access to this secret staircase that goes down there. And you gotta love the catwalk entrance, too, when she's oh, yeah. got her heels. <laughs> she goes down there, and, she, and I, I love it with that pure disdain when she sees Brainwave Jr.'s picture, and it's like, she goes, <laughs> and just tears it right in half. Right. <laughs> and then laying out the pictures, including the the Mike photo bomb, I called it. Right. They're like holy smokes! And she's without much. She's oh, she have one line. Let's do some recruiting. Right. Yeah, she killed it. Absolutely, she did. With just what a minute and a half at most of yep. screen time. Yep. Oh, I, I think man. I mentioned to you. I like Jade's entrance, but I like Cindy's more. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. And we can't forget that we at least get a Starman sighting. Yeah. As he shows up in a diner in Nevada, I think. Was it? I thought it was Wyoming. I don't know. Yeah. I think it was Nevada where. uh, Okay. And of course, this waitress is just hitting on him big time, even though he knows her name. She's not even asking him a question. And he finally asks her about his ex. Of course, she goes, which one? Which one? Yeah, good one. The one who likes stripes. Yeah. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. When he was sitting out in the car there, getting ready to go in. Right. He checks the mirror. I'm like, what's he checking the mirror for? I don't know if Sylvester Pemberton is supposed to be into himself, or it's not really Starman Sylvester. It's somebody else pretending to be him and he's making sure that his disguise or whatever you know comic book like disguise looks good did you get that vibe at all yes something was off about that that's for sure yeah and because we are going to get into a multiverse situation i kind of have a feeling this is a different universe's starman really with an axe to grind against his old friend i mean that's why it seems right it may be He's not exactly Mr. Cheerful. No. (laughs) He's definitely on a mission. Now, I'm not sure if it's out to get Pat, or maybe he realizes that he is in a multiverse and hopes that Pat will be able to help him get back to his Earth. I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. I I just had a thought that maybe he's hunting down Eclipso. I don't right. know how he would know, but maybe he had, who knows, comic books. <laughs> yeah, maybe he's from another dimension. He's after maybe followed Calypso there. Or I don't know, something like something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to mention briefly some of the other people we saw, aside from Zeke. It was uh, Isaac Bowen, the yeah, Fiddler's kid, right? The Fiddler's right, kid? yes. Yep. Yeah. Oh, man. He, and then Artemis Croc, she had pretty good entry too actually yes <laughs> I, you know i would have sworn she was gonna hit her with that hockey stick too oh, absolutely it looked yeah. that way it sure did look that way and she got flipped for it yes <laughs> <laughs> oh who else we saw adam's crock isaac bowen oh the grandparents oh my yes. god oh yes <laughs> oh i'm so glad they're back yes can't lose them just because icicle's gone <laughs> yeah solfus and lily yeah, I'm surprised he, uh, you know, Lily wanted to go over there and crush their dreams. <laughs> and Sophus is like, oh, well, he's smiling. Let him have his fun. Right. <laughs> well, they had to cover a lot. That's a lot of people. Yeah, and we had so many Easter eggs in this episode. Good Lord. <laughs> what was your favorite? I don't know if I have a favorite. I mean, it's just, well, because we get all those JSA files with all those yeah. <laughs> different Goofy pictures. villains and everything. 
Yeah. That, those were really awesome. Didn't we get a Superman reference? Oh, I'm sure we did. I thought someone name dropped Superman. I'm going to watch it again, 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 because I could have sworn I heard a Superman reference. Because I wonder if, if their world exists, the rest of that world has to exist too, right? Yes, absolutely. Still waiting for them to name drop Batman and Lois and Superman. Oh, Superman and Lois. Right, yeah. The, uh, You're friends with that guy? Yeah. On the divorce papers, it referenced Donner County. And, of course, Donner County is named after Richard Donner, the legendary filmmaker yeah. who directed yeah. Superman, Superman the movie. So. Maybe that's what the uh, name drop was for. I'm going to have to go back and look at right. that. Well, and Donner served as Jeff John's mentor. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I definitely can see that uh, Superman reference in there. That's for sure. That would be cool. Yes. <laughs> yep. I loved all the uh, the bad guys. Per Degaton, Black Briar Thorn. The guy with the colander on his head. Yeah. <laughs> Baron Blitzkrieg. Yeah. Oh, and uh, the first place that gotten broken into, the Taco Wiz, that was where Wonder Woman actually took a job in a 1993 comic. So that was great. Holy smoke, that's reaching. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no one will get this one. Nope, right. not at all. <laughs> oh, good first episode. I liked it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, this is going to be an exciting season, and I'm just really looking forward to it. I'm excited for the fun stuff, and I'm worried about all the sad stuff. Yeah, because we've been warned it's going to be a dark season, so yeah, that's going to be real interesting to see how these teenagers handle this, because we know adults have problems with handling. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> handling. how do you handle it? superhero teenager right well we'd love to hear your thoughts on each and every episode this season our deadline for feedback is 6 p.m eastern every friday during the season you can send your feedback be it email or audio to contact us at fangirlzone.com please rate and review us on itunes and any other platform you use for your podcast with good ratings and reviews it helps other fans of the show find us Tell your friends, and we hope you're enjoying, I was going to say, tell your friends and family. Yeah. <laughs> it's a family show. Tell your friends and family. And we hope you're enjoying our podcast. And don't forget to check out the other great Fangirl Zone podcasts. Yep. You can find them over on www.fangirlzone.com, where you can click on the contact link and find the multitude of ways that you can contact us. So for this episode of the Star Power Podcast, I'm Steve. How am I going to deliver papers at Jellystone Park? And this is Dave, and I'm going to finish Cindy's intro song for you. I know you've all been waiting for that. I should have brought some music. Anyway, this is for you, Cindy. I don't want to go to school. I just want to break some rules. I don't think that Mike's a fool. I just think that he's my tool.